0: shapers on jazz fm listen in color in partnership with mish it's business but it's personal
1: One of my favourite tracks ever I think that's Ray Charles with Mess Around. Hello this is me Elliot Moss and we're on Jazz FM with Jazz Shapers and Jazz Shapers I hope you all know is the place you can hear the very best of those people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper My business shaper today is Dominic Smales. He is the founder and managing director of Gleam Futures They're a talent business with a difference. They look after and introduce people into the world of social media and all things happen from there you're going to hear some extraordinary stuff things that you didn't even know were going on in addition to hearing from Dom you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and on top of all of that of course some great music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul including Gregory Porter, German singer Lisa Bassenge and this from Gil Scott Heron Phenomenally funky sound of Gil Scott-Heron with Lady Day and John Coltrane. Dominic Smells, as I said earlier, is my business shaper today. He's the founder and managing director of Gleam Futures. Your words, please, thank you so much for joining me. Tell me what you do because many people will be amazed by the end of this programme about what's actually going on in the the subterranean
2: world of the web. (laughs) So we manage talent essentially. But the talent we manage is slightly different to any traditional talent that you might think of on, in the entertainment world, like TV, film, radio, etc. We manage talent that have started their careers on social media platforms. So they've built huge audiences on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Uh, and then we're shaping long, illustrious careers from uh, that start. Now,
1: I don't think of myself as old, Dominic, but when I started doing a little bit of research into the kind of talent that you're talking about, names like Casper Lee, Marcus Butler, uh, Jim Chapman... I realised I was actually middle-aged, because these are names that I hadn't heard of that have got millions and millions and millions of people looking at them in the new way that people consume media, the new way that people consume programmes, which is not through your television set, it's through your computer, it may sound obvious, but we're not talking about just a small phenomenon here, we're talking about proper connectivity with a new artist who's got 5 million people subscribed to their YouTube channel. Just tell me about what gave you the idea? To create this business five six years ago, because at that point I don't think you know many people knew what a social media phenomenon was.
2: Yeah, well they didn't they didn't exist, and I didn't know what a social media phenomenon was either. So I was uh, working at a production company and fascinated at the time by social media. Facebook had just really started to kick off, and I'd noticed the younguns in the office beginning to spend more and more time checking Facebook out rather than, rather than actually doing any work, and I, too, got sucked in, and YouTube was a thing that fascinated me. And I noticed on the homepage of YouTube, these two girls keep popping up who were doing makeup tutorials, essentially, teaching people how to put makeup on. And they were on the homepage of YouTube globally alongside animals on skateboards, naked men walking into plate glass windows, people falling out of trees, all, all the kind of viral stuff that you expect to find achieving massive views on YouTube. And these girls were popping up every every week on the homepage. And I thought, what is it that they are doing that is engaging people so much they can drive hundreds of thousands of views videos of them just talking? And I thought perhaps they're big TV celebs that I've missed or movie stars or anything like that. But on getting to know them better, they weren't. There were a couple of sisters who were professional makeup artists uh in their spare time they loved making videos and uploading them to youtube to help teach people how to put makeup on properly Uh, and i dropped them a line um they came into the office we got on well they started asking me questions about commercial issues that were facing them and people that were trying to have them sign specific contracts and bits and bobs and i just gave them some advice from my experience in media and entertainment so far and we became friends and I ended up representing them and they recommended me to their friends and their friends to their friends. And all these people were just at the beginning of starting to build their channels on YouTube. No one was really doing it for a living. Everyone was doing it out of pure passion, but that was almost six years ago now. And now of course, the the velocity of growth that's run through that entire platform has been so uh, incredible that these guys now are on sitting on audiences of, you know, 5, 10 million subscribers at a time. Uh, and just our like, top 10 talent on our roster of only 27 are probably going to drive now this year in the region of 4 billion views just on YouTube alone. That's not counting Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, etc.
1: Well, you're going to find out a lot more about how uh, Dominic saw this opportunity and has created a business around it. Time for some music, though, in the meantime. This is Gregory Porter with Windsong. The sun, the trees, the leaves, the ground, the sound it makes when love sings songs of love to them. I try all day to not write songs that sound cliché when I sing songs of love to you. Somehow, always Mr. Gregory Porter with Windsong. Dominic Smells is my business shaper today. He's founder and managing director of Gleam Futures. If you were listening earlier, you'll know that he looks after emerging talent who start their world of fame and making a living um, in and on social media. So this is six years ago and you said, you know, um, I had some um, experience um, of the media world. Just going back a little bit, you'd worked for Chrysalis Radio, I think, before USP. Um, What did you learn uh, about business from those media worlds? What was it that they saw in you that they liked? What what, what do you think they bought into in those early days before kind of it got established? And now people go, yeah, he's the guy you go to. What was it then?
2: Um, I think I spent... uh A long time, 15 years in marketing and media, um, helping brands build profiles across all kinds of platforms. And I kind of knew what it took. uh, And I knew what the sensitivities were in terms of protecting a brand. And when it came to talent, per se, I think the fact that I cared about them and their um, interests first and foremost uh, but with a commercial instinct as it were so I knew I knew the value of what they were creating online because I dealt with media owners and advertisers uh, for the the last 15 years Uh, I could apply that to to their careers making sure that they got you know uh, that their value wasn't taken for granted because it was immediately obvious to me when i saw sam and nick chapman who are are called pixie woo on youtube who are the makeup artist sisters that i mentioned previously that what they were achieving was incredibly rare and unique to be able to drive that kind of engagement on a social media platform not only once which occasionally and maybe with a bit of media spend and a fair wind behind you of some luck a brand can have a viral video but these guys are doing it consistently Mm. every week every single video it was a hit on YouTube and that's proper engagement it's the equivalent of um, a radio presenter garnering an audience that really likes the way that they present and the music they play and their personality and all of those kind of things that make a presenter really popular to a loyal audience. The same thing was happening here, but on a social media platform that didn't have any gatekeepers between the talent and the audience. So there's no editor, there's no commissioner, there's no studio boss saying, well, I don't think they're right in that slot, I'm going to put them in that slot, or even worse, I'm going to bin them off the network.
1: There is no schedule.
2: Day no schedule.
1: T- tell me about your own, so so that that makes perfect sense. In terms of you having set up your first business because you had worked for other companies before and in senior roles and all that, did you find that tough or was it just part of what you had to do in the early days? You know, incorporating your own company, oh, I need office space, I need to hire people, I need empl-. I mean, the basics, you know, these sometimes can be pretty overwhelming. How did, it, it, briefly did you cope with that?
2: Yeah, it's really tough. And there's that moment, I think, that you realise that all your dreams as a kid of like, oh, I'm just going to discover something really amazing and it's going to be easy. I'll I'll be rich the next week. Um, The realization that the only way to be successful at something is a huge amount of really hard work. And that dawned on me when I thought about paying my mortgage through having to earn every single penny from something that i had actually physically had to do myself in the early days and uh, I started off by being really really small but trying to act much bigger than I was so I started in a coffee shop with a laptop and just kind of worked hard um, until I could afford to have someone help me and then afford to have two people help me and just do it really organically like that I think that that's one way of doing it I don't know if it's the harder or easier way. It's uh, it's certainly the way I felt most comfortable doing it, making sure that it was all completely organic and I was in control of everything to start with, uh, all output, Um, rather than taking on you know hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt and all of that kind of thing in order to grow faster.
1: Stay with me for more from my business show today, Dominic Smells. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our program partners at Michigan Dura.
0: My name is Andrew Remington, and I'm a corporate partner at Mishkonda Raya. Uh, very often, uh, the key uh, component that makes deals uh, last the test of time is when you start a transaction with trust and credibility on both sides. Very often, people will um, be very reluctant to disclose the key issues that are relevant for them, but I find that actually having a very forthright discussion at the outset of a meeting can help set the ground rules very early on. Let me give you an example. If a transaction has both strengths and weaknesses, and let's face it, what doesn't, which should you deliver first, the strengths or the weaknesses? Surprisingly, the answer to that is that if you have weaknesses to disclose, uh, the body of evidence suggests that actually by uh, empathising with the other person's position and identifying that there are concerns that they may well have as a legitimate third party, by addressing those issues first shows not only trustworthiness and credibility, in negotiations but also shows that you have empathy towards their position jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with Rea. it's business but it's personal
1: you're listening to jazz shapers if you've missed any of the previous programs then ft.com or cityam.com or even itunes are your destinations you'll find many many programs there featuring some of the fantastic guests that i've had over the last few years my fantastic guest today I'm pleased to say, is Dominic Smells, founder and managing director of Gleam Futures. He's managing talent, which is making a huge impact in the world of social media. Um, the business itself is predicated on you essentially representing young talent, ensuring that they, if you're then brokering deals with big brands, ensure that they get the right amount of money, and then you you take a percentage of, of that. Why are those brands spending money on? connecting themselves with these young people who have got millions of you know in, the, in their audiences? How are they seeing the value of that
2: connection? So, first of all, it's not just about brands. This is the, the businesses uh, built on representing the holistic careers of these guys. Uh, at the end of the day, they're entertainers, they're creative people. It just so happens that the platform that they entertain on has primarily been a social media platform like YouTube. But the uh, businesses built on... Yes, there are select brand endorsements and brands are interested in working with this talent because the talent has an authentic relationship with their audience. Um, Our talent won't work with any brand that they don't like, believe in, uh, believe 100% in the quality of it and all of those kind of things and and would use anywhere in, in their everyday life. But there's also publishing and TV and movies and licensing and creating stuff that the talent are passionate about uh, but can also they can, it can help them earn a living from doing what they love which is making content.
1: Now the, the people I, I checked out in, in researching this, there's a, a young uh, boy called Joe Sugg is that right? I really feel like a grandfather as I'm saying, Joe Sugg? Is that, <laughs> that, is that the name of the young whippersnapper? Thatcher uh, Joe on yeah. YouTube. Okay so earlier. and then his, his little compad- uh, his compadres what's his name the other fellow? Casper Lee, Casper Lee,
2: right? He's, he's taller than Joe. Casper is tall, yes. He's tall, yes. He's yeah. tall
1: uh, and Joe is small. But these guys are making a movie. They are, made a movie. What, yeah. They made a movie. Mm-hmm. What else have they
2: done? Are they, they? They've written a book. Uh, Joe has published a book this year Some called graphic, graphic "Username no. Evie," which is a graphic novel. It yeah. ended up being the fastest-selling graphic novel globally in history when it came out. Uh, and it's, but it's an amazing piece of work. And the reason it's so successful is because. It's from Joe, mm. and Joe has millions of followers on YouTube that think Joe's great. So is it that, or are these... Do you think these, peop-
1: these people that you're
2: representing are super talented,
1: and they just happen to have started on YouTube? Is it just that's just the way that talent is now found? Is that really Absolutely. what's going on?
2: Absolutely. I think they they all of them are absolute talents. They have a unique talent. It's not easy to connect with millions of people globally across... Uh, cultural boundaries across language barriers, uh, and continue to grow and be successful and engage people. You try it. You know anyone out there who's thinking about? Oh, sounds like sounds easy. I'm going to go and start my own YouTube channel. Just give it a bash and see how many views you get. You know, in the next two years, it's incredibly difficult thing to do. Uh, and not only is it the way that they can express their personalities, it's technical skills like making sure the thing looks good. The audio is good. There's lots of equipment in this studio that none of our talent have access to, but they have to make good enough product to be able to uh, engage millions of people the world over. So I'm quite passionate about defending them when people suggest that what talent do these guys have? Because they all have a really unique talent. We're approached all the time by people wanting to get on the roster and be YouTube stars. And there's a very small percentage of people that can actually do it
1: not easy so if you want to try go for it but um, Dom's advice is you may not quite hit gold straight away and my two boys who tried this the whole time <laughs> would testify to that time for some music this is Lisa Bessange with her take on Riders on the Storm which of course was a Doors classic A natty version of Riders on the Storm there from Lisa Bassange. Dom, you've talked about defending the talent of of, of your roster, as it were. You've now got, you said, around 20, 25, 30, 30 people on the roster. 28, yeah. 28 people on the roster. What do you see over the next few years happening? Is, this, is your business going to be, is it going to get bigger or are you going to go deeper with the kind of talent you've got? Have you got a Jerry Maguire, you know, never have too many clients mantra or is it just bring them on, if they're good, I'll take them? I love jerry mcguire i like him too i like the film obviously. i love that yeah. film
2: yeah um we are absolutely dedicated to making sure we represent the very best talent in the world the best and brightest talent in the world not the most uh and we will only take people on that we are 100% sure have the potential to be incredible either now or in the future so the idea is that We will develop the roster that we have to its full potential. If someone incredible comes across my desk, then, of course, we'll look to sign them. But the model isn't to sign another 400 talent over the six months uh, coming up. Uh, We're looking for um, quality, not quantity, definitely.
1: Did you, when you were younger, think that you'd run your own shop, your own business in some form? I always wanted
2: to, yeah. I always wanted to, right from my my first job, really.
1: And did it matter to you what it would be? Did you kind of have an idea? I mean, did you think you'd end up being, you know, to your kids or whatever, the Jerry Maguire of the house, you know, the person that's an agent? Because you're not, you're not the typical uh, stereotype of an agent, are you? You don't seem like that, and, and having known you over the years, that's not you, and yet you're doing superly well you're doing fantastically is that because actually you take a very commercial view is it actually because you're a media guy I mean what is the the secret of why your business is working
2: I think it's because it's not born out of seeing something that is specifically commercial this is what I can earn a living at it was a pure passion to start with and I think that's really important in starting any business is that you've got to be uh, honest and passionate about what you do and success will kind of like follow on after that I I did at one stage, I wanted to open a chain of barbershops, for example, because I I thought I saw a massive gap in the market there for male grooming. But I didn't know how to cut hair. I hadn't been passionate about barbershops in the past. And there was no momentum created by that. This is something that happened really organically. And naturally, I was fascinated by it. And I I had the knowledge and experience to be able to uh, do a good job. I think that your comment about me not being a typical agent, is, he's, he's not a typical agent, this Tom, though. <laughs> he's, he's a nice bloke. I mean, you know what I mean, though, don't you? Yeah, because I don't think typical agents will succeed in this world. It's, this is a totally different type of talent, and different types of rules have got to be applied. And that means that the people dealing with this talent have to act differently. And we approach uh, all of the relationships that we have with uh, any third party other than the talent from 100% the talent's perspective we're interested in doing different things with this talent and the rules of the past won't be applied to your relationship with this talent. And we have to hold fast on that and we're lucky enough to be in a position whereby we've got a great roster, the best talent in the world, I think. And we've got to protect that vehemently and make sure that we don't succumb to how big business and the entertainment industry of the past dictates that we should be doing stuff, stick to our guns and make it better for the talent going forward.
1: Final chat coming up with Dom and we'll be playing a track from Billy Taylor. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz
0: Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Rea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: The iconic sound of Billy Taylor with I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. And that's the original. I'm sure you knew that, but I'm just confirming. Dominic smells my business shaper just for a few more precious minutes. And we've rapidly cantered through the world of social media that kind of didn't exist before. In the sense of you know people being stars through it back in 2010, it absolutely does now. The the talent that you represent, as you said, from the age of 21 up to the age of 37 or so, it isn't just money being made through number of clicks and number of views. It's also money being made outside of the world of social media, the the films and the and the books and so on and so forth. I imagine that your your business plan will sort of say sky's the limit. Is that right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think the, the our business is developing the potential of the talent that we've got on our roster, and I don't think any of them have reached anywhere near their potential yet. I think there's a long way to go. Uh, it's important to say that this talent, it, it, 100% on our roster, has started on their own, from scratch, out of a passion for making videos, in their case, most of their cases on YouTube. Um, but essentially, they're not just social media talent and i think in the next couple of years it'll they'll just be talent and i think that the talent of the future has to have a relationship with a a real audience on social media platforms rather than through gatekeepers like uh commissioners and studio bosses well look
1: continue to fiercely guard your uh clients because that's what you seem to be doing um, and that's a good thing to do um It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Dom. And I think people now go, oh, I better go and check out this sub-world, if if indeed it is. And if it isn't, well, well done. You were there before I was. Um, Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
2: So I've chosen Otis Redding, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, because it was always one of those tracks that whenever I listened to it, it made me think of a very chilled out situation. Someone that's just enjoying the sun going down, sitting on a dock, No particular place to go, nothing to think about really, and that never happens. I was
1: going to say, that
2: (laughs) is the opposite of your life. Exactly. So uh, I enjoy listening to it for that moment of escapism. Fantastic. Here it is just for you. Thanks very much.
1: Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in then I watch him roll away again. Yeah. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the
0: tide roll away.
1: Ooh, That was Otis Redding with sitting on the dock of the bay. The song choice of my business shaper today, Dominic Smales, a true pioneer, someone who saw the gap five, six years ago in the world of social media and talent and has exploited it very successfully. Predicated on his passion, he's a very passionate man when it comes to this world and boy does that show. And yet conversely, unbelievably level-headed. He's been building his business quietly, now he's got over 30 people working for him and his talent, I'm sure, are very, very happy for that. Great stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM. In the meantime, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel. Williams. Jazz Shapers
0: on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkonda Rea. It's business, but it's personal.